Welcome everyone to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans and as I say every week Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney racing family for about two decades. Today we closely follow third generation driver Ryan Blaney who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast, we give you a review of Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then a preview of the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, we're back again with another episode of the podcast, but this time it's a little bit different, possibly a little bit shorter, but we've said that before. It's still gone on for about an hour, but due to the holiday week, we kind of released a special episode of the podcast earlier in the week. Our interview was spotter Josh Williams, so if anyone hasn't listened to that one yet, definitely get on there some really really interesting stuff from that interview um i think so at least steve yeah he had a you know not only some history but a great um uh, discussion of his philosophy and how how he spots versus you know what drivers want and uh i, I you know one thing i thought was really cool about what he said was that um he was invited by by team penske which means like he said somebody was listening somebody knew that he was pretty good and uh it's pretty cool to be wanted you know a lot of people go into the uh looking for jobs and that job found him which is really nice really really cool story all the way like we talked about his um kind of coming up coming out as a pro golfer right out of high school and doing that and then just the interesting way that 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 turned into a career in nascar the cool thing is that we did that this week and the fact that we're leading into this martinsville race is that josh is from that martinsville area his family has roots there grandfather was a general manager at that racetrack so um I think that's a great way to segue into our race preview for the weekend for Ryan Blaney and this number 12 team as they head into Martinsville Speedway. Ryan Blaney, weekend preview. Martinsville Speedway. Yeah, this is a, this going to be a great week, uh, I think, for, for, the, for Team Penske as a whole. But uh, Ryan's starting fourth, which uh, anytime you're up near the front at Martinsville, it's great because track position is going to be so important. Um, you know, track position, where you are on the restarts. This will be a really good week for the choose cone um, during the race too, for them to show it because everybody wants to be in that low line on a restart at Martinsville. So they don't have to worry about trying to get their way in uh, into that single file line. So, yeah. And I heard Todd Gordon talking about this recently, specifically on Ryan at Martinsville where last year though, you know, he had great finishes. Obviously he um, finished second in both races in the cup series last year at that track, but a few times he's starting on the outside and you can really burn up your tires, especially a fresh set of tires, uh, just trying to uh, maintain your position. And then once you do, or if you have to give and take a little bit to get down to that low lane. So, but as we saw at Atlanta and some other places, it seems like Ryan's found a way um, to maintain tires over the, over the course of a race. So hopefully that's something that he'll be able to do again this weekend. Yeah, this, uh, you know, the, the, the initial start will be kind of fun because it really, uh, he really likes to jump on that restart and uh, get going. And so hopefully, like I said, hopefully he gets down in line quick enough. And then uh, what's great about the, you know, Penske setups is when even with no practice, they seem to hit it pretty much off the bat and then adjust from there. So, you know, if, if they've got what, 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 they, uh, what they need, uh, he'll carve his way up to the front right, right at the beginning and maybe get a couple stage wins. Now, a cool stat that I found this weekend about Ryan and Martinsville is that since 2018, if you look at driver averages, Ryan has the second lowest 
average finish at Martinsville since 2018 with a 6.0 average finish just behind his team Penske teammate Brad Keselowski, who was pretty, pretty good there with a 4.33 average finish. Um, like I said, he finished second in both races last year. Um, and then going back to 2019, he finished fourth and fifth. In 2018, he finished third and 20th. Overall, his average finish is 10.7. So a really, really good short track for Ryan. He seems to show up at Bristol and he shows up at Martinsville. Richmond uh, is a little bit of a work in progress at this point. But it's good going into a weekend knowing that he's starting up front and has a really good history at the track. Yeah, um, I, you brought up Martinsville in 18. Um, and the spring race, that's the, that's the one where it snowed. Uh, the day of the race and it's pretty crazy because we drove down through through the snow and you know we're from ohio so you know driving through the snow is no big deal but even two or three inches in an area where they're not used to having snow um the cars were all over the place and there were a lot of accidents outside the track and of course they had to you know they there was no way they get that track ready that day so they ran the next day and um he started uh like fifth that day yep and um ran it all the way up to him he led 145 laps uh won a stage uh dominated the race pretty much for for a good portion of the race and then it just went away a little bit ended up finishing third which was great um back then um the 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 fall race was the one we ended up going to because we we had we had to come home um on that uh, the snow day we couldn't stay for another day so we went in the fall and uh, uh we got to actually do one of those um pit road experiences and uh they, you know the day wasn't great for ryan but um that was the day i believe that uh oh hang on a second let me think was it joey and uh was that the joey kenseth thing that i've been sending all over online oh like, i wonder if it's <laughs> yeah so you know I, I remember a bunch of excitement that day for other drivers but uh you know ryan still he started pretty good that day once again you know he, he you know if they had qualifying they would have no problem qualifying up front i know that for sure um, like I said, the, the way they got the cars set up, I'm sure that he'll be able to carve his way up through the three or four cars in front of him, hopefully lead some laps right off the bat and just get it going, you know? Yeah. One of the things you just kind of brought up that, that triggered something for me was you said you had a, a pit, you went to Martinsville and had a pit road experience. Can you not wait for the ability again, probably not this year, but hopefully next year to be able to get back down into the, the garage area or in the fan experience zones or, um, you know, go to some driver interaction experiences mm -hmm. and, and interview sessions and all that stuff. Like for me, when we go to Daytona, that's my favorite part. And that's also one of the biggest draws that brought my wife into really following the sport was because the proximity that you can get to drivers and get to meet them and get autographs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were, we were there for like what would be the pre-race experience. Um, they kick you out um, by the time the race starts um, and actually what they do is they move you onto the front stretch and you're up, up, out there for when they bring the uh, that trailer down the track with with all the driver intros and everything like that but during the pre-race experience Martinsville is just awesome because you're you're going right behind the pit boxes there's not much room there um, we went down back to where the garages were on the back stretch you're not actually allowed into the, the garages Okay, but yeah. all the haulers are on the other side there. You're actually allowed to go along all the haulers. Walk up. We walked all the way down there. Uh, wife and I walked all the way down, and then you, all of a sudden, there's the tech line. 
and we're literally standing next to the cars as they're as they're pushing them in the tech line and then on the front stretch when they moved all the cars into position pre-race um, they back them up against the inside wall on an angle and there's a rope there about halfway down the middle of pit road and we're standing on the other side of the rope and literally almost got run over by ryan's car as they pushed it <laughs> into position there on the pit road um my wife and i had a had a blast with all that um, went down to where their pit box was, stood around, took pictures inside the pit box. Um, there were lug nuts all over the place left over from the, from the day before and people just picking them up and keeping them, you know? Um, it, yeah, just being able to do all that was just, just awesome. Um, some tracks, uh, are, it's a little more expensive than other tracks to do. Uh, I know Martinsville was a little bit, a little bit more, but like Michigan and so forth, they, they, they do a great job of just, you know, bringing a bunch of crowd out there and being able to get closer to the vehicles, closer to the drivers and uh, just closer to the excitement pre-race. That's really, I don't know. It's funny. It's, I've gotten really, really pumped up now. just thinking about that. I was really, really lucky to be able to go to a bunch of races at the beginning of the season since they decided to stick around Florida for about a month there. Um, I think we have Atlanta in the summer and Daytona again in the later in the summer on our, our list for this year. I'm sitting here staring at a pile of lug nuts that I have that I've collected from between Daytona and Homestead. So, I mean, I know we're supposed to be talking about more about Martinsville and all that stuff, but if you haven't, I mean, I was a NASCAR fan for about 10 years before I went to my first race, which was at Daytona once I moved to Florida. Um, you cannot, I mean, I was, I was a pretty big fan then, but like once you actually experience it in person, it's amazing. The sights, the smells, the sound, um, the energy, the crowd, all that stuff. You really have to experience NASCAR in person. And then one of the biggest things is to bring a friend because there's plenty of people. I hear it all the time that, you know, ah, NASCAR, it's boring. They just turn left and then you take them to a race and they experience it. And then they're just hooked. And um, I think we actually even saw a lot of that last year, just during the pandemic when all the other sports were sh shut down. Um, even just people kind of getting their first taste of it, watching it on TV because it was the one of the few sports they could get into. So um, anyway, that's my <laughs> my impassioned speech for the week on this to get to actually get to a race. Back to Martinsville specifically, we're talking about Ryan's track record there. He's led 215 laps. Now the bulk of them came in that 2018 race, but he led the last um, in those last two races last year, just under 40 laps in each race. The, um, that second or the last race of the season, uh, second to last race of the season at Martinsville, though he was outside of the playoffs, still had that very strong run runner up finish to chase Elliott, who then went on to win. So um, being good at Martinsville is key, especially with where it falls in the, in the playoff lineup. So as we're saying, we're hoping that Ryan's able to go out there this year, finish strong in the spring, and then hopefully make a nice run through the playoffs and then be able to set himself up maybe for that first championship four appearance. Looking back at the drivers that have won the last few races at Martinsville, let's go um, Let's go back to 2017. Teammate Brad Keselowski won. Um, second race of 2017, Kyle Busch won. Now he's an, another driver that's really itching to get back to victory lane. Clint Boyer, who's now in the booth, won the first race in 2018. Joey Logano won that second race in 2018. And then Brad Keselowski again, the first race of 2019. And then Truex went back-to-back. -back, and then Chase Elliott won that penultimate race that set him up for that championship run. So that one thing on this list that you keep seeing is Brad Keselowski, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano. Um, it sets up 
for a pretty something with Team Penske. They have something going right with their setups for when they, anytime they get to this track. Yeah, um, you know, they're starting position of fourth, and this also gives them good pit selection. Um, and as you know, Martinsville, the first bunch of pit, stop, pit stalls are actually on the bend going around uh, turns one and two. And uh, Ryan actually is in the fifth, I'm sorry, it would be the sixth pit stall coming around that bend. The fifth pit stall is actually going to be blank. So he's going to have no problem pulling in. And the 34 car is the car behind him pit stall wise. So you shouldn't really have to worry about going around that guy uh, to get into his pit stall uh, on the angle. Um, and of course the 22 took the number one pit stall. So he's only three or four, well, four or five pit stalls back from the 22. And so that's his main, main competition on pit road. Usually, uh, those, those two teams seem to do really well in, in their pit stops. So, um, you know, Chase Elliott's up there and, and also the 24 is up in front of him too. So, you know, should be all the contenders that we're going to see on uh, Saturday night, right up there in those first couple pit stalls. Yeah. Like you're saying that, that selection is so key at this racetrack because of the bend that happens in pit road. What you saw um, in the fall with Chase Elliott when they had a, a mistake on pit road where one of his uh, one of his pit crew members jumped off the wall too early because they're you know they thought Chase was within the right amount of time and then obviously now famously he leaped back over to the wall and then they kind of re- reset and started their their pit stop again. So the fact that Ryan is in a decent spot. Um, is really, really good. So hopefully, and this, this pit crew has been, you know, performing well. They had a pretty much a week off, uh, a couple of weeks off now with Easter and then that Bristol race. So hopefully they've uh, got some practice uh, reps in throughout the last couple of weeks and they're ready to go. But like we said, they had one of the fastest pit stops of the year uh, when he won. What That was at Atlanta, right? Or was that the next race after that? So it would have been Atlanta. Yeah. So one of the fastest pit stops of the year. So my confidence in that team is through the roof at this point and confidence going into this weekend is also pretty high, especially coming off of all these wonder, uh, you know, terrific finishes at Martinsville. So this is a 500 lap race. The stage breaks are coming at lap 130, lap 260. And then obviously the checkered flag is going to fly at lap 500, 263 miles. You can catch the race. It's a Saturday night race. So make sure you're, you're, um, used to, you know, tuning in on a Sunday. It's a Saturday night race at Martinsville. You can watch it at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports 1. Listen to it on MRN, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. And then another interesting thing about this weekend is that Ryan is going to be back in the Xfinity booth and um, on Friday night. And the last time he called an Xfinity race, happened to go to Victory Lane. Yeah, these these guys calling the ra- uh, calling the race right before the race. Uh, it, like I said, I, I said it before. It seems to help. It seems to be able to able see something from up above, the way that the cars are acting, maybe the tires, the way they're they're wearing in, and uh, you know it helped him a couple weeks ago. It helped Joey, uh, to you know at uh, at Bristol. So let's do it again. Let's see if we can get him uh, in the booth every every other week or something like that. You know. I would not be opposed to that. <laughs> so once again, if you want to tune into the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500, Saturday night, April 10th, Martinsville Speedway, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1, MRN. Listen to it again also on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. I'll bring your snacks, too, just in case, because um, right now, just to be honest, looking at the weather, it looks a little iffy for Saturday night. Um, so it could end up being Sunday. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> Extended I'm not weekend. A, not a, not a, I'm not a weatherman. I just play one on TV. 
But the, um, the key, though, is that Steve there. and I are not going to the race. So Steve has seen snow. I've been in a ton of thunderstorm uh, delayed, <laughs> delayed races. So as long as we stay home, right. so, you tried to go to Bristol when you brought right. the rain there. I'm blaming you for that. So, um, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Drove, but it could be a long. hailstorm to get there. <laughs> yeah. So just, just, just kind of be prepared for maybe, you know, you know, I know they tested rain tires there a week or two ago, but um, from what they're saying, they're not ready to use them just yet. Uh, they're talking about maybe New Hampshire or something like that later in the year. So, um, although I, you know, I'm not against it, but um, right now they're not ready for it. So this, this weekend, if the weather does get in the way, just be prepared for a little Sunday afternoon racing or, or Sunday night even, who knows? Since you brought that up, let's talk about it. Why not? We have the time this week. So the, I think the key with this is that they're, they're sort of like wet weather tires, but they're not meant to be wet weather tires as if they're on a, on a road course where they can actually race while it is still raining a little bit. I think the idea behind these is to get back racing sooner. So they've got the track dryers out there for a little while. It's still a little bit damp and they have a window and they kind of want to get out on the track. So I think that's one kind of misconception that people have had. The other thing that I thought was hilarious about this whole thing is that they hold this test and, and you know, put all the, the media out about it on April Fool's Day. <laughs> so it, it was like immediately most people didn't even believe it was a real thing. And, and NASCAR had to keep kind of saying like, no, this is actually real and it's happening. And mm -hmm. um, so far, I think Chris Buescher and uh, Kyle Larson and some of the other people who were there actually doing the test kind of came out and said, it wasn't so bad. What are your What are your thoughts? Do you think you would you rather see them wait until it's actually dry, or do you think this is a good idea maybe to get the races started at least like a half hour earlier by running when it's a little bit damp? Yeah, I mean safety is always the biggest concern, so really got to worry about you know whether something bad could happen. But if they if they can test them and, and find that they can do it under certain conditions, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think they're uh, some of the driving. Um, that these drivers, some of the stuff these drivers have to do really uh, different conditions are a good thing because it, you know, levels the playing field a little bit or certain guys are better at it than others, or you'll find out, you know, who can handle it and who can't. I mean, I saw, I saw Ryan on a road course in a rainstorm at mid Ohio and uh, you know, he spun out on the grass, lost 12 spots and two laps later, get all the spots back. So, you know, there's certain guys know how to do it and other guys uh, will have to learn quickly, but uh as, as long as nobody can, you know, there's nothing that's going to be um, dangerous. I, I, I don't mind seeing it at all. So here's a question that has been brought up about these. Now, Phoenix is on the short list of places where they said it's possible. They're looking at the shorter tracks that are flat. Say that they do test it at another track, whether it's this year or next year, and they run them there, but then it gets to the championship race at Phoenix and they're just tentative to do it. Do you think that once they do it somewhere, that's it? Like it, it's pretty much they should use it no matter what? Or do you think that the championship race should still um, be as, I'm not sure, hold a little bit more importance than something that maybe shouldn't be used as an experiment? Um, that's a tough one. Well, here's the thing about it that I <laughs> – that I, just personal opinion, uh, Phoenix – I don't like Phoenix as the championship race to begin with. So <laughs> let's just change that and then not have to worry about it. 
That's one way to look at it. Me, like I think I said during our season preview, selfishly wishes that they would just go ahead and reel that thing back into Florida and put it back at Homestead because, again, one of the best experiences that I ever had, even though Kyle Busch won the championship, was still being able to actually see the one, the championship one, get down onto the track. Again, this was, you know, pre-pandemic, just before. And um, experience that championship celebration and all that stuff and be amongst the crew and the car being pushed around. So if they want to bring that thing back to Florida, I'll be excited. If they brought it back to Florida and put it at Daytona, though, I don't think I could handle that. That might be <laughs> that might be too crazy. Um, but I, other than that, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with Phoenix. It has exciting restarts, but... Um, again, we could just keep getting at all these various different topics, but I say move, just send it around, move it around to different move it around, yeah, move it around like every two years, somebody else gets it for, for a year or two or whatever. But yeah, I, I think that the, the rain tires, even, even in that situation, if they've already done it and done it a, a couple times, uh, yeah, it's just another thing you got to adjust to. That's all. I don't, I don't see any problems with it, even during a championship. All right, Steve, well, I think that wraps up our Martinsville preview for the weekend. So why don't we take a look back at the history books and take a step back this week in NASCAR history. This week in NASCAR history. All right, Steve, let's dive right into this. April 9th, 1961, former USAC champion Fred Lorenzen racks up his first NASCAR win in the rain-shortened Virginia 500 at Martinsville Speedway. Only 149 of 500 laps are completed before rain forces cancellation, but NASCAR officials decide to call the race complete and reschedule another 500-mile race at Martinsville in late April. Now, I can't, I can't imagine that. They don't even – we have the halfway rule now, right, or, or at least through the – if two stages are complete, but could you see that happening now? Uh, you know, you won the race, but we're going to come back later in the month. Well, that's like, weren't they racing like four and five days a week back then too, in some of these places? It was a, a definitely a crazy amount and also a part of the reason why, I mean, Richard Petty is the king, but it's also a reason why he was able to get up to 200 wins because, yeah, they were uh, all over the place back then. Moving on, let's go to April 10th, 1971. Bobby Isaac drives his Dodge to a big win in the 100-mile NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National event at Greenville Pickens Speedway. The short track event is televised live, flag to flag, on ABC Sports. I think I've mentioned before in the past the fact that some of these races being televised the whole way through was new. You had to sometimes wait until the end of the week to get a recap of the race, if anything. I didn't realize ABC Sports was actually the one that, uh, that actually did that. And I'm wondering if it's because, were they also the ones that did the wide world of sports too? Yeah, that may have been part of the wide world of sports maybe. This week in NASCAR history, April 8th, 1979, Daryl Walter prevails in a last lap battle with Richard Petty to win the Rebel 500 at Darlington. The two drivers swap the lead four times on the final lap. After the race, the legendary David Pearson is released as the driver of the Wood Brothers Mercury. A pit mishap is cited as the reason for Pearson's release. A pit mishap. Wow. Can you imagine that today? Oh, boy. Anthony Alfredo, Anthony Alfredo and some other people would be in trouble already this season if a pit mishap <laughs> led to your release. Well, that's not good when the owners of the car might be the ones coming over the wall to pit the car. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> Let's go to April 5th, 1981. Richard Petty outlasts Dave Marcus to score his 15th career win at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Marcus starts on the pole and leads 123 laps, but falls off the pace late when he runs out of tires. North Wilkesboro. So that's one of those ones I think it's 
before our NASCAR fandom time, at least. The only thing I know about it was playing it in, I think, a, a Windows 95 computer NASCAR game <laughs> back in the day. And now it's available on iRacing, and Dale Jr. and several other people are big proponents of bringing this back. And actually this week, Marcus Smith has mentioned, teased out there a little bit that SMI hasn't forgotten about North Wilkesboro. They still own it. They still have the deed. They'd like to do something with it in the future. But for me, if you pull that thing up on Google Maps and you try to find an airport nearby, you try to find main roads nearby, they don't really exist. So I'm sorry, but unless it's a one-off, you know, television special where they're not worried about fans being in the stands, I don't think North and plus it's kind of falling in on itself. I don't think North Wilkesboro is going to be a track you'll see on the cup schedule again. And finally, this week in NASCAR history, April 5th, 1998, Mark Martin passes Chad Little with 30 laps remaining and motors to a close victory in the Texas 500 at Texas Motor Speedway. Little and third place finisher Robert Presley enjoyed the best finishes of their careers. The 13 car crash on the opening laps took out many of the top contenders. Okay, Steve. I think to finish out the show, normally we give a recap of what our fantasy picks were. So unless you had the Easter Bunny or the Cadbury Bunny or various people on your on your fantasy lineup, I don't think you saw too much action over the weekend. So who are you looking at exactly headed into Martinsville for your lineup this weekend? I haven't set mine yet, but I have a few drivers on my short list. You know, it's kind of crazy because I, I – I don't want to use up Ryan, you know, yep. so, you know, you only get 10 usage uh, of each, each guy. And uh, but the problem is, is the guys I'm using are all running up front every week. So, um, you know, but uh, at this point, a guy like Hamlin or a, a guy like Keselowski are due to win races. Um, you know, the, that's, that's what I was going to say about the point standings is, is right now in the point standings, you know, uh, Denny's number one and uh, Brad is number five. Now, you do the playoff point standings uh they bump those two out of their those positions because the first seven positions are all people who've won races and that's why ryan in the in the playoff standings is all the way up to fifth but uh you know at this point denny and brad are so consistent that they're up in the in the regular standings i think those are guys to look at this week larson of course is always a guy to look at ryan is starting close enough to the front has a good pit stall we know how good he runs there um so those are the couple of names that I'm looking at um, for this week. Uh, you know, of course, uh, Chase Chase is really good there too. So, you know, maybe Ryan and Chase somewhere near the end of the race, you know. Yeah, I'm not totally sold on Denny Hamlin. He's definitely due for a win, but they really struggled at points uh, with, with the setup and his handling at Martinsville the last couple of times he was there. If you're looking for like a lock pick, I would say Brad Keselowski might be it. He has the highest uh, average finish over the last or since 2018 at that track. He won the race, uh, the spring race in 2019. Um, I think he's fine if you haven't really used him a lot. Obviously, Truex went back-to-back there in 2019 and 2020. Chase Elliott, um, I don't know, that team really just rose to the occasion at that point to win. I don't know, it seemed like they were just destined for that championship. So all of those are good picks if you haven't really used those guys a lot. And then especially – like you said, Ryan Blaney would be a great pick for this weekend, but I think I've used him used him up a couple of times already this year, so I'll have to take a look at my my stats to see. But like you said, you only have 10 starts for these guys until the playoffs start, so you really have to pick and choose. Do you have any dark horses 
out there, somebody that might surprise. Uh, I'm thinking Eric uh, Jones. Uh, Eric Jones. He's yeah, been able to put that petty car up front on races where they're capable of being up front. You know, um, track house racing, um, <laughs> Daniel could be, could be a good week for Daniel. Um, they showed, you know, at Bristol what they can do and, uh, they're coming and really truthfully Bubba Wallace too, with the 2311, both those teams have run pretty well for, for being brand new teams. Um, you know, if you, then we're picking dark horses, you know, off of teams that are brand new, you know, so, um, and like, and Stenhouse had a great finish last week too. And he's definitely a guy who's not afraid to put a, a bumper up underneath somebody to get by somebody. So. Yeah. I think if that 2311 team with Bubba Wallace can have a clean race, you know, they were shooing for a top 10 last week. And I think they actually had a little bit of contact with Stenhouse that cut his tire at the end of that. Uh, I guess it's two weeks ago now that Bristol dirt race. So if they can just, put a full race together. I mean, at Daytona, they were in the race. At Bristol, they were in the race. There's a couple other places where they run. I think even Phoenix, um, you know, they're running up toward the front. They just kind of had had some growing pains, I would say. A few mistakes, a few things that weren't of their own doing have stopped them from finding uh, pretty solid finishes so far this year. And Bubba has a truck series win at Martinsville, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. another good track for him. You know, um, sometimes you can tell how good a guy is running when you, you look at who he's running around. So if you have an incident with somebody and Denny uh, at different times this year has actually been running around Bubba or near each other. And that tells me that the 23 is not far off of where, where the 11 is. And uh, luckily his owner laid off of him and, you know, didn't look <laughs> <or> anything, <laughs> but uh, they raced each other clean, but um you know, the, those two those two teams, the 99 team also really are running real well. And uh, they could have a good week. Martinsville is a good track for, uh, for, for the underdog, like you said. If you're not already a member of the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, that's kind of why we do these uh, recaps of our picks and everything from week to week, just because it's kind of just a fun thing that you can follow along with. But let's go over again, just to remind you of the top 10 in the Team Blaney Fantasy Live, NASCAR Fantasy Live League. In first, we have Doug, zero, or Doug K0525 with 1,300 points. In second, we have Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. In third, we have Blaney's Daisy. In fourth, we have Moon Cup. In fifth, we have Joe Lopez 1. In sixth, we have Team Penske. In seventh, we have Mez 12, which is you, <laughs> anchoring the top 10 there. In eighth, we have Supermod. In ninth, we have Blaney FT NASCAR. And in tenth, we have I'm a winner, who so far is just I'm in the top 10. They need to move up a little bit, I think, if they want to be uh, uh, proud of their namesake there. So I'm not doing that great. I mean, we've been through this all year long. I'm all the way down. Scroll to the bottom. 41st, and Team Blaney admin with 1,049 points, a couple hundred points behind Mez here and the rest of the top 10. So, But I'm the guy that's only picking one or two big picks a week and throwing in the, the Stenhouses and the Joneses and, and some of these underdog teams to try to use load management as best as possible. So that way, once I get to the playoffs, I can make a run. Um, did that last year and I did okay. I scored a ton of points in the playoffs, but I wish I would have done that a little bit earlier in the year. So maybe my strategy is flawed. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. When the playoffs start, they reset your usage too, right? So yep. you can, uh, Yeah, at that point, I think you can use people – I mean, you'd have another 10 starts out of them, I guess, because that's how long the playoffs are, right? So 
or I, I don't know. Is it four? Is maybe five, less. four or five, maybe. I don't know, but it, yeah, it, I know it resets though. So you have 26 races and you can only use them 10 times in those 26 races. So somewhere along the line, like you said, I've got to start using the uh, Ryan priests of the world or, or whatnot and picking good spots for them, you know? So if you're not a member of the league already, go ahead and uh, download the NASCAR app or go on to NASCAR.com, find NASCAR fantasy live, find the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league, search for that and go ahead and join in on the fun. And maybe you'll be able to catch up and at least pass me. I don't know if you're going to get into Mez level at this point, but possibly catch me in the points by the end of the season. So Steve, a little bit of a truncated show this time because we only had to do a preview of the race. So um, not too shabby. So, Again, if you didn't catch our interview with Josh Williams that happened in episode 11 of the Team Lady podcast, go ahead and listen to that. You can find some really interesting information and some insights into the team dynamic, the relationship between Josh and Ryan and Todd and everything that's gone on there in the last uh, – he's been spotting for him since 2015. Really, really interesting story. And the good thing is we didn't even touch on – all of the stories that Josh has to tell. So maybe we'll have to have him on again, uh, maybe a couple of times before the end of the year is out, if he can join us on the podcast. So I just want to thank everyone again for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or Steve, dial back, listen to our first episode that dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter, Team Blaney. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Team Blaney. Don't forget to download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blady Podcast on most or all of the major podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and several others. But once again, before we close out the show, I want to give a shout out to the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. The organization was established in 2018, and it supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or on Twitter at RBFamFoundation and then finally on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RBFamilyFoundation they have put out the website put out the links for the new Blaney Bunch fan club you can go ahead and join that I forget which number I am 8 or 9 Steve I think you said you were club member 86 Yeah. so yeah. join the club join the Blaney Bunch club join the club because it's actually a way of donating too you know um, joining the club isn't just like a you know it's a fan club they're making no they're not there to make money they're there to actually help the charity it helps the it helps the foundation so go ahead and join the club get some of the perks from the from the fan club uh looking for that packet that's going to be coming soon um you know t-shirt and so on and so forth the, the poker chip that they're going to be sending out and uh you know there's some access to some great um, family foundation material so you know go ahead and join it's a it's a cool thing to do be part of the bunch yeah, I'll make sure if you don't, so if you don't already just check it out on their social media accounts for the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This weekend, I'll go ahead and post the link again to where you can join the Blaney Bunch fan club. All of the proceeds from this are going to uh, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation's partnership with the Fund a Fellow program. So it's something that's near and dear to them and is a great cause that you can uh, donate to by joining the fan club. So for my co-host, Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next week on the Team Blaney Podcast.